The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Move through blocks and fulfill your passion and purpose. This is Stop Stopping Yourself with your host, Vincent Jenna. Welcome. Yes, this is your host, Vincent Jenna, coming to you live from Raleigh, North Carolina, which is located in Crazyville, USA and world. It is crazy out there, isn't it? We've gone on to um, over a month now at being at home. And uh, um, there's one thing about being stuck in the home. You keep looking around and seeing all the things that you need to do to the home. And I'm just not one for that. Um, I used to be when I was younger. Now I just want to be out there with you people and try to help and try to give some encouragement. And that's why I have special guests on my radio show here, uh, the Stop Stopping Yourself show, uh, because we need some, you know, heavy duty inspiration and understanding and guidance and motivation and all of that self-improvement stuff. So today is not going to be any different. I do have a wonderful guest on, uh, Dr. Greg Hammer, and we'll be introducing him in just a moment. But I hope everybody is doing well out there and staying safe. Um, Wonderful thing about the Internet when it is working. We do have some crazy things going on even technically here for the show. So don't go away. Be patient just in case anything goes wrong or there's some glitches going on here. Just hang in there with us. And remember, there's always the podcast because this is being recorded. But there's been some wonderful things presented on the Internet as far as inspiration and motivation and entertainment and share. Get, take the, the, the time and share something that you want to do. We even have people that are doing art classes uh, or they're drawing and, and they're videoing while they're drawing. And we're just, it's so interesting watching people or they're dancing or moving, exercising. We have all sorts of these videos and interactions on social media now. And uh, the, the, the one, uh, you know, um, area that we've been complaining about, you know, between social media like Facebook and Twitter and all of that, oh, my goodness, we complained about it so much as a, as a society. You know, too many people are spending time on Facebook and texting on their phones. Well, guess what? We're we've been doing. We've been doing nothing but that in order to stay connected. So you see, there is an an advantage to these technologies. They are not 
getting in our way, but in actuality, when we use them the right way, we can stay connected. And that's really the purpose of it. I've seen families doing Zoom Passover dinners and and um, go to meeting Easter Sunday dinners and meals and playing games with the family online. It's been fabulous. It's absolutely been fabulous. So I want everybody to, to think about what can you share? What you can you share with everybody? Even if it's a poem, your favorite book, uh, people are even reading online. And, and even one of my colleagues just turned her video camera on to show candles burning. Really nice little, it looked like a little altar. And it was just like, you know, like, Wintertime, when you put your TV on, the fireplace theme, and you just, if you don't have a fireplace, you're playing it on the TV set. <laughs> she was just burning some meditation candles and not saying anything, but just keeping it on that. So the simplest of things can be so meaningful for people. So use your imagination. See what you can come up with and what you can add that we can enjoy. A joke, um, a video, a YouTube um, a television show segment, anything, but share yourself. It's one of the most beneficial things that you can do. And I'm sure my guest today is going to agree with that because he himself has uh, become an incredible inspiration um, today, especially with a book that he wrote. Let me introduce him. I, I just want to bring him on now so that he can be talking. Um, this is Dr. Greg Hammer, okay? He is a pediatric intensive care physician, a pediatric anesthesiologist, and a professor at Stanford University Medical Center. So his clinical fo focus is in pediatric cardiac anesthesia and pediatric critical care medicine, which has to be a, an amazing um, type of work than touching the heart. Whenever you work with children, uh, I was a hospice social worker for Duke, and we were going to be opening a pediatric division, and there weren't many people who were willing to participate in that because it is so heart-rendering. But um, I, I was actually looking forward to being able to work with children. So I'm going to be asking him questions about that and how he works with that. And one of my friends right now is a nurse for uh, the Duke Pediatric Cancer Clinic, which is just, oh, my gosh, heart wrenching. And, and meanwhile, his research is in developmental pharmacology and immunology. Wow. How perfect is it to have Dr. Greg on the show today? Um, and so he is has been he has an active uh, laboratory with multiple ongoing studies in these areas. So I've got to ask him about that. But he's also a health enthusiast and a meditator, and he utilizes non-duality and mindfulness-based approaches. One of the major reasons why I'm having him on the show today is how do you include that? How do you add that um, into your day? And here we have a doctor, a doctor, people that does that and and he teaches even his students that work and he wrote this great book gain without pain right the happiness handbook for healthcare professionals um it it um 
actually is going to be released May 15th, 2020. So we have to be looking for that. And I just need to welcome him now. Well, Dr. Greg Hammer, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to join me here today on the Stop Stopping Yourself show. How are you out there in Crazyville? Uh, well, thank you so much, Vincent. It's really a pleasure to be with you. I'm uh, actually managing okay. Most of the time I spend alone in my beautiful home on Stanford campus, and right now I'm looking out the windows at a beautiful garden, a very sunny day here in the 60s. It's lovely. So looking at the bright side, things are not too bad. I, obviously, there's a lot of pain and suffering going around, and uh, I think we all need to open our hearts to that. But in the meantime, we also need to make the best of a difficult time. Absolutely, and I mean that's the the, the greatest advice. And so, so uh, have you been doing any online teaching at this point? Like, what's happening with the students um, there at Stanford? The uh, medical students, residents, and fellows uh, are continuing to work. Um, at the Children's Hospital, we're actually only at about half or two-thirds capacity because we're not doing any elective surgery, for example. But the trainees are mostly at work, uh, home a bit more than usual. And uh, I think everybody is pitching in to the extent feasible, and uh, I see nothing but positive attitudes around me at, at the hospital. Wow. See, that's great. That's you see, there's been, you know, so many complaints about the medical field, be it the medical insurance. That's one area and avenue or, or yeah, doctors and oh, you don't want to listen to all the doctors. You don't. And now we're turning to all of you as you you are heroes. You are truly heroes. And the attitudes that you are carrying are really helping us get through this pandemic. But apparently you had this in you before all of this began. So so tell us about that. What what led you into so here you are a doctor and you are a professor and and you're teaching medical students. So what got you into mindfulness and and I mean we consider that spiritual based practice. Of course, yes, Vincent, that's a good question. Well, it started with me uh, back when I was in my late teens and I sort of had a bit of an epiphany. Uh, I started meditating. I was spending time with people uh, who were very invested in spirituality. And I've been meditating off and on ever since then. And I would say about 10 years ago, I, I sort of discovered that that which I thought I was looking for really was inside me. And all I needed to do was unveil that truth and uh, allow myself to be present and happier. And so uh, I did, and I started teaching meditation to my trainees and then gradually got invited to speak about uh, this gain methodology and wellness and medicine around the world. So I've been doing that for the last several years. And I had some sabbatical time in the last year, and I decided to write a book because the message seemed to be very resonant with my trainees and audiences around the world. And uh, so I got the book done, and that will be out, as you suggested, in the middle of May. Um, and the GAIN stands for what I think 
are the four pillars of resilience and happiness, again, never more, as you said, uh, rele relevant now. The GAIN stands for gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment. So we could talk about those pillars in any amount of detail that you'd like, but I think uh, it's a good four-letter acronym for what I think are the most important four parameters uh, associated with happiness. Wow. Yes, I do want to talk about that. And, and before we get to that, though, um, get, let's go back into some of your history. And I, remind me, because I also want to ask you, obviously, it must be effective what you're teaching them if you're being asked to go all over the world and teach it to others. So are, are you, you're finding a great response from your, your colleagues and, and students when you're teaching this stuff? They're accepting it? Yes. In fact, uh, burnout in medicine has become an increasing problem, and, and more than half of physicians have manifestations of burnout, and many of them end up leaving their job. Maybe they're trying to find greener pastures uh, at another job in medicine, or maybe they just leave medicine. And uh, there's a lot of depression, and unfortunately, there's more than one physician suicide every day on average. And so this issue of burnout in medicine is really crucial, and it's a crisis. And uh, so I got involved with our wellness program at Stanford to try to address that, at least at our medical center. And, uh, you know, it's been a very fruitful journey. Yeah, I, I do see here that you're a member of the, of the Stanford uh, WellMD initiative, and you're also the chair of the Physician Wellness Task Force for the California Society of Anesthesiologists. Uh, is that for the exact same reason you became involved with them because you wanted to be able to help them clear up this 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 avenue of of uh, what you were referring to uh, with doctors and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm baffled trying to get my head around that, um, that that actually happens within your field like that. Are you referring to burnout? Yeah. Well, the, I, I can understand burnout because having been a social worker and a hospice social worker, we used to work with the clinicians. I actually did some programs with them based on compassion fatigue. Right. Yeah. Um, so so the the burnout part, is that the reason why the wellness committee um, for anesthesiologists formed? Um, is it for the practitioners mostly? Yeah. Like how, say... how are you helping them with the burnout? I mean, other than meditation. Sure, Vincent. Uh, I would say around 2010, when we started getting statistics on burnout through quality of life surveys administered to physicians around the U.S., we really started appreciating how serious a problem this was. And to their credit, hospital administrators and physician leadership started paying attention. And, and since then, we formed the Stanford WellMD program, and uh, there are efforts, substantial efforts, to try to bend the curve uh, real, with respect to burnout and and bring some kind of uh, more resilience to physicians as well as changing some of the work environments. 
And I think we've made progress in the last 10 years. At least people are paying attention to this problem in medicine, but it's still, uh, it's still really a significant issue. And when physicians are burnt out, and I'm sure this applies to other healthcare professionals as well, they don't do as good a job. And so uh, there are more complications related to medical treatment and surgery and hospitals. Uh, the mortality rates go up, but the quality of care goes down. So this is certainly something that we need to address urgently. And, and there are efforts going on to do that. And, and my book and my lectures are, are a small part of that. I'm so glad that you brought this up because truly, like I was just saying, all right, uh, lately, and, and it's been going on for a while, I can't say lately, it's just gotten louder lately, where people are talking about how they're constantly leaving their lives in, in doctors' hands and that you shouldn't be listen, always listening to doctors, especially in the metaphysical and the spiritual realm. You know, they, they complain, oh, a doctor's going to put you on medicine as soon as you go. Oh, a doctor's going to find something wrong with you. So what's the sense in going to the doctor? And, and one of the things that people don't understand is, number one, God inspired doctors too. So apparently God knew that we needed doctors here on the face of the earth. You got a physical body, you're going to need somebody who pays attention to it. And more importantly, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Greg, is that these doctors, or everybody in the healthcare you know, business is dealing with people's lives. They are dealing with people's lives on a daily basis, from children to seniors. And you just think it is so easy for you to go in and say, okay, so what am I supposed to do with this? Well, um, this is what you need to do. You need to take this medication or you need to get this rest. You need to be able to do that. And you think that that's so easy for them and that they're not going to go home and feel about all the people that are hurting and suffering and sick. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, is that that's the kind of thing that leads to burnout. Uh, it's certainly uh, a contributor. I think the main drivers of burnout for physicians are, one, that the culture of medicine has really not been terribly healthy. People working very extended hours, working all night, and then working the next day. Uh, mm. Sort of a culture of uh, we're supposed to be tough and we don't need uh, psychological help and consultation and the sort of suck it up mentality. And fortunately, that's beginning to change, but that sort of culture in medicine contributes to burnout. And another major contributor is the inefficiencies in our practice uh, that are more or less uh, foisted on us. And uh, we're also subject to lots of metrics from outside agencies with respect to patient satisfaction. and. At the same time, the administration right. is telling us to see more patients every hour. So naturally, people have to wait longer in the waiting room. They don't get as much time with their physician as they used to or they would like. And so they're not happy, and our patient satisfaction scores go down. And these are completely out of our control. And I think when things happen out of one's control that uh, have a negative impact on them, that leads to a lot of frustration and anxiety, and that contributes to burnout also. Right. Well, yeah, ab ab absolutely. The, the emotional responsibility, the, the physical demands, all of that together, I totally understand that. But one of the reasons why I, I do bring that up is because you can even take to the health field or the doctors and use them as a sampling 
of what other people go through in their personal lives. It's it's what how we deal and cope with our lives, with our jobs, with our relationships is is based on what's going on inside. So you've come up with this book and this understanding. So what is it that you're teaching them? I mean, yes, it's a tool. They're tools. We, we have all these tools. But what is it exactly that you're teaching them to help them to deal with themselves, to deal with their career better? Ch explain well, that now. And, and, and we'll I probably said, need know, to go into it on the other side of the break because that'll be coming up in a few minutes. But go start that, please. I, I'd like to know. Sure. I, I, as I was saying, I think the three, there are three categories uh, that represent the stress in our lives uh, as physicians, and, and this applies to a great extent to other professionals as well. The first one is the culture, which, as I said, has not been terribly healthy. The second one is uh, practice inefficiencies and why is it that we spend so much money on healthcare yet we don't have enough clinic space and can't afford to hire enough staff to increase the flow of patients and so on. The third category that really contributes to burnout among physicians is resilience. And while the institution and the leadership are responsible for the culture and for practice efficiencies, we as individuals are responsible for our own resilience. And so that is my interest, and that's the reason that I wrote this book. I'm hoping that by spreading this message of gain and being present, we can all become more resilient and, and less burnt out. The, that is the, exactly the focus that I, I want to spend now um, for the next half hour that we come up about resilience and working with it, because you're absolutely right. And here is where everybody who is listening today can apply this, um, because resilience goes with every aspect, every person. They have to learn how to gain tools become more resilient in their life. Um, and, and I like the word resilient more than I like the word coping, coping mechanism, um, because there seems to just be a more, more powerful meaning in that. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say that? I mean, that's the reason why you choose uh, resilience as the word rather than in, in the psychological field, it would be just coping. We want to teach them coping skills. I agree with you, Vincent. Coping to me implies you're able to adapt to an adverse situation and more or less absorb it and break even. Resilience to me means that you can deal with adversity and still be present and happy. So it goes beyond coping. And uh, yes, I think that is why resilience, I think, is a better term than, than coping. It goes much further than coping. Right. I totally get that. And, and I think a lot of our listeners understand that as well. Before we do talk more about the book, because I love the acronym GAIN, a GAIN without pain. Boy, do I wish you can apply that at the gym, too. Uh, that's, 
because uh, uh, I, I have to go through a lot of pain in order to gain at the gym. But I'm going to try, after you talk about this, to be able to apply some of these methods while I am working out. But were you always, were your family members involved as, as in the medical field at all? What, what drew you into the medical field to start with? Because you seem to be at a different purpose right now other than just being a doctor, which is what you were just talking about, and I, I love that aspect. So what drew you into the medical field to start with? I have no physicians in my family. I'm the first. I got interested in uh, college in astronomy, actually, I'm interested in cosmology. So, you know, what is it, what's sort of the meaning in life, I guess, would be the cliche way of putting that. And I decided that I, as I was studying astronomy that the body is much like the universe or perhaps a solar system uh, or constellation of stars and that there's a beautiful interrelationship between the very smallest particle that may make up our body or a planetary object and the body as a whole and society as a whole, uh, the analogy between uh, uh, a planet and its solar system and its stellar group and its galaxy. So I decided uh, why not delve into human biology, and I, I came to a fork in the road, and as Yogi Berra would say, I took it. I moved toward medicine because I thought it was more pragmatic uh, than as astronomy. So, uh, but I, I went into medicine with that attitude of really having a very holistic approach. Uh, I studied nutritional science as well, which was actually my major as an undergrad, and I still bring my interest in nutrition to my practice in the intensive care unit. But, uh, no, I'm the first physician in my family, and uh, I got interested in human biology because of the interrelationship of, of the parts of our being, which I find so fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And just I, I just I love the analogy between astronomy and the heavenly bodies. And if you do study astronomy at all for people out there, um, it's all interrelated. It's actually where astrology came from is the interrelationship of the heavenly bodies and the um, and space and planets and stars. And if you look at our body the same way, you know, it's it's an interrelationship between the heavenly aspects of our body so it it would you say before we go for break because that's coming up that there was an intuitive inspiration of some kind within you to go, to go in that direction especially since you were looking at things in more of an esoteric way when you were looking at that there's not a lot of people who would connect astronomy with um medical science um but you did do you think that's coming yes, from absolutely. something within I, that, that Dr. Greg? inspiration for going into medicine, absolutely. Well, we're going to talk more about that, and we're going to talk more about your book, Gain Without Pain, the Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals, when we come back from the break. This is your host, Vincent Jenna, and this is the Stop Stopping Yourself show. And we have special guest, Dr. Greg Hammer who is a Stanford University Medical School professor, and we are going to be talking more, so come on back. Don't go away. Thank you for joining us today.
We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Stop Stopping Yourself with Vincent Jenna. Yes, welcome back. Thank you for joining us. If you are just joining us, I have special guest, Dr. Greg Hammer, who is a Stanford University Medical Center professor and also uh, a pediatric... Oh, gosh, I just don't know how you you deal with that. Anesthesiologist and intensive care physician. Um, And just before the break, I mean, I had to let Dr. Greg know that I'm originally from New York. He could not tell um, because of my 25 years in, in North Carolina. I guess I lost that accent, didn't I, Dr. Greg? I think you have a beautiful combination of New York and uh, North Carolina in your tone. <laughs> Thanks. I don't know. I, I, my dialect was always messed up, even when I was living in New York. Um, <laughs> all right. Before we go on, please share with us what we were talking about. Let people know how they can get you, um, get a hold of you, read more about you, and also uh purchase or pre-purchase your book because i mean even though it may be for healthcare professionals i know there's a ton of healthcare professionals listening today uh, but others will definitely gain um, a benefit from your book so please share that sure well my website is greghammermd.com so it's just lowercase g-r-e-g-h-a-m-m-e-r-m-d.com uh, that has some links uh, to, I think it has a link to Amazon for pre-ordering the ebook, And uh, I'll be flushing that website out uh, as we go forward. It's, it's, uh, I'm kind of new at this, and so uh, the website is new, and um, it will be populated with a lot more information and links going forward, including all the various radio and, and, and other interviews that I've been doing. But the website that, is greghammermd.com. That is fabulous. And, and I am fortunate enough to, to be kind of a colleague of yours because we both have the same PR representative now, don't we? Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Yes, I am with Steve Allen Media myself, so uh, you will be doing um, some wonderful things there to be able to get this information out, uh, Greg, so I I wish you the best with that. So please tell us about the book and GAIN. GAIN, I'm very interested to find out more about that. Sure. Well, I'll give you a little bit of background. I think there are a few premises that are essential. And one of them is that we tend to have a negativity bias. So we tend to remember negative experiences and forget about a lot of the positive experiences. So, you know, typically one of my trainees can have a great day at work, take care of four different patients having surgery, do everything flawlessly, but be unable to get one procedure done. And so I step in and do that. And uh, when that person goes home at night and is getting ready for bed and taking stock of their day, do they remember all the wonderful things that they did and the great patient outcomes? No, they remember the one procedure they missed that I had to step in and complete. So that's just 
a small example of how our minds work. We do have a negativity bias, and we aim that negativity at, at ourselves quite a bit. Um, another principle is that when we are present and right here, right now, we are happy. And when we're obsessed with things in the past or the future, we tend to be unhappy. And there are some exceptions. It's adaptive, for example, to think of the past, to relish wonderful experiences we've had, and also to learn from our mistakes. Those are adaptive thoughts of the past. And thoughts of the future, yes, we have to plan. We have to put bread on the table. We can look forward to the next family get-together. Those are adaptive considerations. But much of the time we're kind of stuck in the past feeling regret and shame and self-criticism and negativity. And much of the time we're stuck in the future where we're fearful and anxious. And I think we can all relate to that during this pandemic for sure. So how do we learn to be present more of the time? and therefore happy. If you think of your happiest moments, they're when you're present, whether you're laughing uncontrollably at a joke or sipping a delicious glass of wine uh, in your relationship, the moments you have when you feel most connected are when you're present and, and the past and the future sort of fall away. So how can we bring the focus back into the present? And I think that there are four ingredients to doing that, if you will, four practices or ways of thought, and they are, first of all, gratitude, which is the G in gain. And I think many, many people who are interested in happiness and being present and mindfulness understand that gratitude is really central. So I, I think you can be blind and happy, you can be deaf and happy, you can be handicapped and happy, but you can't be ungrateful and happy. So gratitude, I think, is a key ingredient. We all have so much to be grateful for. People who are stuck and feeling very badly about what's happening right now might just go on the Internet and watch some YouTubes of the great influenza pandemic of about 100 years ago, 1918, and you can see how much worse off they were then without, um, as you were suggesting, Vincent, the ability to connect to each other through the Internet. Um, they had limited information. The conditions were so much poorer than they are now. So we can all be grateful, as bad as this is, that it's not as bad as that. So things can always be worse, and, and we need to be grateful for all the blessings and gifts that we have in our life. Uh, the second is acceptance. So that's the A in gain. And there's a lot of pain and suffering in the world, both around us and within us, and we need to acknowledge that and acknowledge that it's part of life and have a practice whereby we intentionally open our hearts and let those painful experiences in, sit with them. Because if we repress them, if we submerge them, if we resist them in any way, our suffering will actually increase in the long run. So we need to open our hearts and sit with and breathe in the pain and suffering that's around us. The I in GAIN stands for intention, and that is a central component of mindfulness, as, as taught by John Kabat-Zinn, which is that we need to bring ourselves to the present moment purposefully or intentionally. So we can use our intention to let go of maladaptive thoughts of the past and the present and uh, past and the future, excuse me, and be present. And there are ways that we can use our intention to be present. and 
A great example that I think is easy to understand is a program in your neck of the woods, Vincent, uh, called Three Good Things. I don't know if you're familiar with it. but it's, No, uh, I'm not. It's a study and a program that started at Duke, and basically anybody could sign up for it online, and you take a quality of life survey, how happy or unhappy or stressed out are you, and then you start the practice, and the practice is simply that every night before you go to bed, you think of three good things that happened during the day. And you can do this while turning down the bed or putting on your pajamas. It doesn't take any time. And, for example, tonight I'll think, well, I had this fantastic conversation with a new friend, Vincent. Um, I plan to go for a bike ride today. That'll be another good thing. I'm sure I'll make a nice, healthy dinner. I'm reading a wonderful book. So when I go to bed tonight, I'll think of at least three of these things. And what the researchers have found is that when people think of three good things before they go to bed, they sleep better, and over time they become happier people. And the reason is that they're rewiring their brains, letting go of this negativity bias that we have, and starting to focus on positive things. Because, you know, as you know, Vincent, every, every thought we have is a decision to have that thought instead of another thought. So we can keep going in a circle with these negative thoughts, suffering more, having more negativity, having more negative thoughts, or we can break that cycle and start to think of the positive things instead. And we can use our intention to do that, to rewire our brains, even at older ages. I mean, you know, the, the idea that after 30 you can't change the way you think anymore is, is definitely not true, and that's been shown with a lot of studies looking at functional MRI imaging and, and other mechanisms. So the N in gain, so gratitude, acceptance, intention, and the N is non-judgment. And we can all relate to the fact that we're constantly comparing ourselves to others and comparing things in our environment, and we're making judgments. And, and oftentimes, because of our negativity bias, those judgments are negative when it comes to ourselves. So we may say, well, this patient is smarter than me, this, this person, rather, is, is better looking, and I'm sad about that. Or we may judge other people harshly in order to bolster ourselves up. But the fact is that these neural, this uh, neuron activity that just has these cycles of neuronal firing, whereby we're making judgment after judgment, is exhausting. And so we can teach ourselves not to judge, but to just see the world as it is. We didn't cause it to be that way. We're not going to change it. Let's just sit with it and contemplate its beauty without judging it as good or bad. And so I think those four fundamentals of gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment can be practiced, as I explain in my book, with as little as a three-minute meditation every morning. And then, you know, pick one of those and say, well, today I'm going to do some gratitude exercises, or today I'm going to practice non-judgment. The first person I see while I'm driving in my car this morning, who I normally judge as not being a good driver and cutting me off and changing lanes without using their turn signal, as soon as I find myself doing that, just let go of that judgment. And we'll find that it just feels good. And gradually we start to think more positively with more gratitude, uh, with more empathy, with more energy, 
and more optimism, and uh, those elements constitute resilience. It, it helps us deal with very difficult times, which we all face. That is absolutely amazing what you just shared. First of all, just as a suggestion for you, after you become a number one seller with this one, Gain Without Pain, the Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals, retitle it and re-release it as Gain Without Pain, the Happiness Handbook, because everything well, that you just said that. is uh... applicable to every single person, not to mention you just told my listeners that have heard me on my Stop Stopping Yourself show for the past year, um, coming from a spiritual and metaphysical perspective, you just came from a medical perspective, and we just ended in the same place. And that's what I love about this work, and that's why I love bringing on guests, because people need to know that there are many paths, but you will wind up in the same exact place. We talk about gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment all the time in, in, in different ways. And here you are, a medical professional, and you're coming to the exact same understanding. And I love well, that. Well, those must be truths then, Vincent, wouldn't you say, that all roads lead to the truth? Absolutely. And if you end up there together, it doesn't make a difference which path you took to get there. It's just that there is a truth, and this is the proof of that. Um, the other side of the proof of truth is that it works for everyone. Um, yeah. And it's consistent. Isn't that in research when you come up with a hypothesis and then finally turn it into a theory? It's because you know that you come to the same place every single time you test it the same way. Right? Yes, absolutely. Um, yes. I wanted to talk about the negative bias because I do want people to understand something major about negative bias. It is not natural. It is taught to us. When we come into the world, we do not come in negative. We come in positive. That's why children laugh all the time. They go up to strangers with their melting ice cream cone wanting to share it with them. We have to teach them, number one, the word no, and then everything that they're doing wrong. And it's the negative messages that they receive from the environment that they then hold on to. It's what you were saying. And it's, it's so important that people understand that. So, yes, their brain has been wired. So no matter how many years they are, they start hearing from a very young age um, or criticism and critique about everything that they're doing wrong. We're doing wrong. So the rewiring is important. And in my area, acceptance Right here, I come from the psychology field. I do have a psychotherapy degree background, uh, Greg, just so that you know that. Um, yes. Allowing yourself to feel and acknowledge the negative feelings is not unhealthy. It's how you get rid of them. You can, yes. you can take an analgesic to get rid of pain, physical pain. But you must feel your feelings to get rid of the emotional pain. So you're right. You're spot on with that. How did you come up with this? You didn't do that with the medical books. How did you come up with this? Well, I, you know, I, when I started teaching my trainees, the medical students, residents, and fellows meditation, I started with asking them what made them feel happy, present, resilient, and they would say things like going to a yoga class, et cetera, and universally they said they don't have time to do that. So I thought, well, why don't I 
create a three-minute meditation and teach them that they need to simply set their alarms for three minutes earlier the night before. That will get their intention started. They'll be remembering to do their three good things exercise. And then they'll wake up in the morning, three minutes before they would have normally, get out of bed, do their hygiene thing, whatever they do, and then find a quiet place to sit comfortably and do this game meditation. And that simply starts with as many meditation practices, getting in touch with the breath, slowing it down, inhaling slowly to a count of three and holding for a count of two and then effortlessly exhaling to a count of four. They do that till things really settle down. They can feel their, their heart rate lowering and the respiratory rate lowering. And then they start to contemplate gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment sequentially. It could just be for 30 or 40 seconds each. And that takes three minutes. And then they get back to the breathing and open their eyes and they're ready to go out into the world. And so it was a combination of my interest in meditation and then teaching meditation and then trying to find simplicity and brevity in practice so that everybody could do it. All of my trainees could do it. This is uh, something that only requires three minutes in the morning. And what happens when people do this practice every day, then they pick, uh, say, gratitude or non-judgment. They pick one of these and say, well, today I'm going to practice non-judgment. So as I said, they get in their car to go to work. They've done the game meditation. They start to get annoyed with the way somebody in front of them is driving. Somebody won't let them into the lane, whatever. And then they remember, I was going to be non-judgmental of the first person I met today. So let that judgment go. And gradually, you know, these practices give us little hits of dopamine. They make us feel good. And I love, as I told you, the stop stopping yourself moniker, because why is it that we do things that make us feel good, but then we don't turn toward those practices and do them more? And I think because of our negativity bias, our self-imposed uh, self-judgment, we don't think we deserve to be happy. So we don't pursue things that make us happy, as simple as they might be. So with this practice, I'm hoping to change that, starting with just a three-minute contemplative game meditation and then gradually more and more practicing these elements during the day as you're walking down the hall or about to go in a patient's room or going to your office, et cetera. And uh, the more I've taught this and talked about it, the more resonant it is. I, I hope everybody just heard that. The reason why we don't continue in these practices all the time is because we don't believe we deserve happiness. Hello? Has anybody heard that before? That's what we're talking about here. And this is what we need to take. Now, I'm pointing this out specifically, and I got to keep saying this. You are a doctor. You come from the intellectual left brain mind concept and thinking, believe it or not. That's that's an, an, the, the major area. We are three different elements, body, mind, and spirit. And for the longest time, those elements have been dealt with separately. The fields have been dealt with separately. And we've been saying over and over again, we need to combine it. We need to combine it because it's all part of who we are. And you, Dr. Greg, are a bridge. 
You understand that? You are a bridge between body, mind, and spirit. That's what makes you different and makes you a standout. I, I, I hope you recognize that. Well, I appreciate the compliment. I, I, I certainly embrace those principles. Not a compliment. It's a fact. I didn't mean it to be a compliment. I'm glad you're taking it as one, but I'm, you, you, you are. if we don't have people like you, how do we get connected to the body in that way and knowing that, that we can control it with our mental and spiritual beliefs? Because you do realize you're talking everything spiritual here and gratitude. Gratitude is one of the highest spiritual um, elements, right? Appreciation. Absolutely. It's not just a mental thing, right? So, yeah, man, you have, you're an incredible bridge. You're, you're bigger than well, the Baron Zandt bridge, bridge there. Um, Nobody knows you know, what that bridge is. My work is incredibly left brain, as you put it, and reductionist, meaning we kind of break everything down to its component parts, try to figure out how these little micro parts are interacting with each other and what we can do about it and in my field we utilize very high-tech tools you know mechanical ventilators uh, heart lung machines uh, lots of tubes and catheters and procedures and so on and yet what I truly believe is that there really is no separation between any of us and anything in our world that basically we're all part of the same consciousness so there is a what would appear to be a dichotomy there but it's not really a dichotomy it's simply our manifestation of our direct experience absolutely absolutely 100 percent and and the other thing that everybody needed to hear from you is that as a doctor you just said that something as as simple as a three-minute meditation, a three-minute meditation, you didn't say 10, you didn't say 20, you didn't say an hour, you didn't say a lifetime, you didn't say we all have to ohm now or go on the mountains of Peru. You said a three-minute meditation can totally change not just our attitude but our physical bodies. And, and people need to know that that's not woo-woo stuff. That is scientific stuff. I mean, it, right? I mean, am I wrong Absolutely. here? Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, the, the idea is take small bites, but practice them every day. And I think that many people have tried meditation, and for some reason they have the expectation that they're going to sit for 20 or 30 minutes without moving, maybe in an uncomfortable position, and that, they should ban all thoughts from their minds. And I simply don't believe that. I think that, first of all, start with something very small, just a very short contemplative practice where we do embrace the thoughts in our mind. We're actually steering the thoughts. We're not trying to push them away. We're, we're opening our hearts and our minds to those thoughts. And it's a brief practice, so everybody can do it, and we just have to stick with it. And I think it will bear amazing fruit to all of us. Totally. And uh, there's so few people that I know that can completely turn off their thoughts. And if you want to know, because this is the funny thing, is, is that a lot of people don't realize that they think a lot all day long. They're constantly thinking. Your brain is constantly working. All right. It doesn't ever shut off. Otherwise, you'd be dead. OK, uh, so. You meditate. If you take uh, just a moment, you'll even find out what's going on in there. 
I mean, Italy, it's like it can be like a ticket taping. Oh, wow. I wasn't even I didn't even know I was thinking about that. And it'll just go on and on and on and on. And it's actually a form of release as well. Don't you agree? Absolutely. No, it's a letting go because the truth and happiness are 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 actual true nature. They are inside all of us and they're veiled by our conditioning, as you were describing earlier about how we come to acquire this negativity bias. But peace and happiness are our true nature. It's all we want, and it's right there within us. All we have to do is unveil it and go to it directly, and we'll find it. Yeah. I love it. And I'm going to tell everybody right now, for all you healthcare practitioners out there, definitely go and get Dr. Hammond's book, Right. Gain without pain, the happiness handbook for healthcare professionals and everybody else in mainstream world that is listening. Go and get this book anywhere and don't worry about the healthcare professional part because you're going to gain something from it anyway. Um, Greg, please, again, tell people in the last minute that we have here how they can reach you and get the book. Well, the book can be pre-ordered on Amazon uh, as an ebook. It should be out as a, uh, a paperback hard book, uh, uh, middle of May. They can uh, go to my website, Greg Hammer, MD, lowercase, G-R-E-G-H-A-M-M-E-R-M-D.com. And um, there's links there for various things. It's a, it's a work in progress, but um, they should be able to reach me that way. Uh, That's fabulous. And thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope you have some great plans coming up for yourself. Besides, as soon as this is all done, you've got a lot of traveling you got to do to be speaking to people. Well, I would be delighted to do that uh, to the extent I can manage it. And um, I'm really grateful for you having me on, Vincent. Uh, absolutely. It's it's important to be able to share this kind of information with everybody and that people hear it from somebody other than just me, other than just the host on the radio shows here. But I want to thank you again, Greg. And of course, I want to thank all my listeners. You know, I love you guys. I do this for you. Um, I don't even listen to my own podcast afterwards. I hope you're enjoying them. You can download this and listen to it again if you missed um, any part of it. But, yes, this is the Stop Stopping Yourself show on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for joining us. Have an incredible week. Please stay safe. Please stay healthy. You deserve it, and everybody else around you deserves it as well. So thank you for joining us today, and I'll be back again next week with something else special. So this is the Stop Stopping Yourself show saying goodbye and thank you. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, 
Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.